There's a secret international elite plotting to wipe out most of humanity and enslave the rest of it. How can you tell? Because they keep publishing papers about it. One such paper is the now infamous, in conspiracy circles, Agenda 21, a set of goals and ideals about how to create a more environmentally sustainable world that a bunch of countries signed and then forgot about. This seemingly innocuous paper was actually a declaration of war against freedom and the first step in the global takeover. And it starts with your land. Yes, the New World Order rears its ugly head again, but this time it's tied to real estate, national parks, and affordable housing led by internationalists that are either Nazis or communists or both and who may or may not be homosexuals. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Agenda 21. This land is my land. What is Agenda 21? At the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, also known as the Rio Conference or the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in June 1992, UN member states got together for a post-Cold War look at how they could cooperate on things like development issues, specifically looking at patterns of production, like how much of what we make involves radioactive or toxic substances, alternative energy sources to replace fossil fuels and slow down climate change, expanding public transportation in cities around the world, and how to address the fact that more and more people on Earth require more and more water, which is becoming scarcer. This was the precursor to the later Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement. Three legally binding documents came out of this meeting. The Convention on Biological Diversity, or CBD, which dealt with preserving and encouraging biodiversity, sustainable use of the natural world by humans, and equitable sharing of its bioresources. The United Nations Convention to Combat Desertification, the UNCCD, which was about combating the increasing desertification of the worlds and lessening the impact of droughts. And the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC, which was signed by 154 countries who agreed to begin stabilizing greenhouse gas emissions with an eye towards mitigating human-led climate change, ensuring food production for all, and enabling economic growth for all nations in a sustainable way. Three non-binding documents were also produced at the Rio Conference in 92. 
the Rio Declaration on Environment and Development, which was a list of 27 guidelines for sustainable development around the world, including, among other things, new concepts in urban zoning to allow resources to be used more efficiently in our growing cities. As a sidebar, in 2014, 54% of all humans on Earth live in or near cities, and that number is expected to grow to 66% by the year 2050 in the next 30 years. Another document was called Forest Principles, which was ideals on how to fund increased forest reserves worldwide. And the last one was Agenda 21. Agenda 21 was a non-binding action agenda for UN member states as well as international organizations to help bring about sustained sustainable development around the world by the year 2000, which is the start of the 21st century, thus Agenda 21 for 21st century. Needless to say, this goal was not met despite being officially adopted by 178 countries. Agenda 21 is 351 pages long, divided into four parts. The four parts are, one, socioeconomic, going over things like funding mechanisms, fair trade agreements, and the like. Two is resource conservation and management, self-explanatory. Three is strengthening the role of various stakeholders who have been previously excluded from international processes like indigenous people, young people, women, farmers, and NGOs, as well as the usual business and industry types. And the fourth section was how to implement action items reliant on science, education, technology transfer, and international organizations, including financial institutions. Later, Agenda 21 was revisited and and a few amendments and clarifications were added, like cultural considerations, resulting in 17 specific goals that are now known as Agenda 2030, which is the latest attempt to get all the stuff off the ground by a target date. I mean, this all sounds pretty good, right? Well, not to everyone. If you've been listening to this podcast regularly, it should probably come as no surprise that one of the groups that just freaked out about Agenda 21 was the John Birch Society. Eek! The New World Order! The John Birch Society has been predicting a global takeover attempt ever since they started up in the late 50s. Back then, it was the Jews. Now, it's the UN, which they think is controlled by the Jews. The Birchers call the Agenda 21 action plan, quote, insidious, technocratic, and totalitarian, a scheme to form a one-world government as well as, quote, take full control of the planet, including the economy, our country, our lives, and our children. They claim both it and the later update, Agenda 2030, use the term Sustainable Development Goals as a euphemistic cover for their evil plans, which will be carried out while pretending to be all about climate change. And climate change, by the way, is totally not happening. But then later the Birchers say actually climate change is happening just a little bit, but it's totally due to natural phenomenon, mainly earthquakes near the Aleutian Islands in the Arctic, which are intensifying methane emissions. Oh, and this has happened before. Oh, and by the way, CO2 is not a dangerous greenhouse gas. It is, quote, plant food. And without it in the atmosphere, lots and lots of it, plants will die. And then so will a lot of life on Earth, which is possibly part of these sustainable development goals. So when they say they want to knock down CO2 emissions, what they're really saying is we want to take food away from plants. If the steps are taken in Agenda 21, the planet will be thrown into another ice age, disrupting civilization, killing large swaths of the biosphere, mainly due to famine. I mean, you got to give them points for originality. 
Oh, by the way, the Birchers also would like to abolish the Department of Energy and the Department of Education. And as has happened so many times before, Fox News clowns read up on Bircher stuff and then put their own spin on it, like Papa Bear Bill O'Reilly did with his fictional war on Christmas shtick in the noughties. For Agenda 21, it was urban nutcake Glenn Beck who, quote, exposed the truth in 2012 that Agenda 21 is not actually an ambitious green initiative that was roundly applauded and then largely ignored for 10 years, but actually an attempt by radical Nazi communist internationalist homosexuals to destroy the world. He seems weirdly preoccupied with homosexuals. He wraps in a bunch of typical New World Order stuff, including the idea of population control, which we've talked about in previous episodes like the Blue Beam and the Denver Airport episodes. The website Rational Wiki has a list of 105 keywords that Beck commonly uses when talking about and expanding his paranoid fantasies about Agenda 21, including the terms affordable housing, traffic calming, quality of life, vibrant neighborhoods, walkable communities, scenic views and vistas, and historic preservation. Those are just some of the terms that he uses that he says are code words for evil, evil, evil plans. <laughs> so try and imagine you want to create a, a walkable community through a historically preserved district and then up on a hill where you can see a scenic view or vista, you're actually an evil communist Nazi internationalist homosexual. And this is not to knock homosexuals. Beck is the one who is obsessed with them. Beck and Fox make such a noise about Agenda 21 that the Republican National Party has officially condemned it, saying it is, quote, extreme environmentalism, whatever the hell that is, and that it is, quote, social engineering and global political control. And they pledge Republicans of all stripes to combat these ideas whenever possible. I mean, you would think social engineering and global political control will be right in their wheelhouse, but apparently not if it involves reducing carbon emissions and bringing women and indigenous people to the table. The RNC and Fox seem to forget that nothing in Agenda 21 is binding in any sense of the word. And in fact, almost none of the goals it set out back in 1992 have been met or even come close to being met. But apparently just the very thought of these goals has wound them up real tight. With visions of eco-totalitarianism in their fevered brains, right-wing wingnuts are trying to wake up the sheeple to prevent, quote, a new kind of tyranny that, if not stopped, will surely lead us to a new dark ages of pain and misery yet unknown to mankind. This is according to Tom DeWeese, president of the American Policy Center, and a man who very much thinks about Agenda 21 a lot. The RNC now officially endorses anti-environmentalism, and if you are, are a Republican politician, even hinting that you might consider climate change to be a real thing will result in the party running a more extreme candidate against you in the next election, funding the crap out of them so that you lose. That's right. They would scuttle a member of their own party by running a Tea Partier instead, rather than have climate change and sustainability even discussed. Of course, the powerful and very rich oil lobby probably has nothing to do with this attitude, right? Or the gas lobby, or coal, or logging, or ranchers, or mining. Same, Same as, it as it ever was. Ever was. Actually, a lot of this is not particularly that new, but rather the latest in a string of efforts by American politicians to make it so that those who own land can do whatever the hell they want with it. There's actually a bit from an article on Bloomberg City Lab that's worth quoting in full, which I will do now. 
Agenda 21 conspiracy theories, those that posit the United Nations is preparing to take over the United States by way of bike lanes and smart growth, may seem at first glance like the zealous rantings of those with too much time on their hands. How else to describe the people that appear at local town council meetings with bullhorns and placards decrying an international socialist conspiracy in local zoning codes? But these tirades are actually part of a long-standing tradition in American politics of grandiose paranoia as political shibboleth against environmentalism. That these theories have now been officially adopted into the GOP platform is less surprising than you might think. The Agenda 21-related conspiracies are only the most recent incarnation of this country's property rights movement, which has long used disruptive techniques to foment dissent against environmentalists and land regulations. As they point out, the tactics Tea Partiers use today are essentially carbon copies, (laughs) carbon copies, of tactics used in the 90s by the Wise Use Movement. Wise Use started off in the late 80s as a loose association of loggers, ranchers and farmers, miners, mill workers, and fans of off-road vehicles, and later gained support of companies in the resource extraction business. Their basic thrust was, whenever there are environmental regulation pushed by the urban elites, rural people are the ones who end up getting shafted. Things like clear-cutting and strip mining absolutely should be allowed because they extracted resources quickly and efficiently, and then afterwards, these practices resulted in areas for people to enjoy with their off-road vehicles. Seriously, that was one of the agenda points. They wanted more land in private hands and a reduction in the amount of public-held land, like parks. Parks are just resource banks waiting to be exploited and then transformed into awesome off-roading theme parks once all the natural resources have been removed. This is what they called wise use. Now, the term wise use actually goes all the way back to 1910, and it was uh, coined by Guilford Pinochet, the head of the U.S. Forest Service, when talking about how maybe we could start harvesting natural resources in a sustainable way. So it's funny that this group of business interests and off-roaders in the late 20th century took this term and completely twisted its original intent, fueled in large part by a book called Wise Use Agenda, published in 1989 by Ron Arnold. But hey, language is flexible and it changes, and we took this term and now we're using it for our purposes. The wise users in the late 80s and 90s were actually continuing the work of a group from the late 70s called the Sagebrush Rebellion. This was a grassroots coalition of resource extraction folks and landowners in the western United States who opposed national wilderness designations and wanted all such lands to either be totally privatized or at least put under local authority control, and then they could control the local authorities. Their argument is that the country needed to make the land yield up its value, which at first is in the form of timber and or mining and or gas and or oil and or grazing. And then once that's happened, the land continues to have value as, quote, open space for human recreational use. Things heated up in 1976 when the federal government ended homesteading laws and decided that they would continue to decide how Western public lands would be used, and mainly that was as parks and protected ecosystems. Republican Utah Senator Orrin Hatch got a shot in the arm to his career when he got into the argument and he made such a big noise about it that something as seemingly boring as land use regulation 
actually caught the interest of the media and they started reporting on the legal fights for two years until they remembered that, oh, that's right, this stuff is actually boring. And then they moved on to other stories. What What a jerk. jerk. Sagebrushers overwhelmingly supported Ronald Reagan, and some feel they were instrumental in delivering a large part of the vote in the western portion of the country to him. He rewarded them by putting James Watt in as Secretary of the Interior. Watt was very pro-ranching and pro-logging and very anti-environmentalist. Watt once said that he thought that the entire purpose of the Department of the Interior was to be a helping hand to the mineral industry. Watt had the record for putting the fewest species on the endangered species list, which legally protects them and their habitats, until George W. Bush's pal Dirk Kempthorne, who actually in 15 months put exactly zero species on the protected list. James Watt disliked the idea of setting aside any land at all for so-called conservation. It's thought that one reason he took this stance is that he was a hardcore dispensationalist Christian and firmly believed that the end times were coming very soon. So therefore, not exploiting resources on American land now was foolhardy and irresponsible because Jesus was going to come soon and then that whole way of life would go away. So you're not conserving anything for the future because there is no future. He also is on record as saying things like Indian reservations in America show just how poorly socialism works, and he hated affirmative action. In September 1983, while talking to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce about a coal leasing panel, he said, and I quote, I have a black, a woman, two Jews, and a cripple, and we have talent. This comment ultimately led to his forced resignation. Keep on trucking. So, an evil global plan to take over the world and implement the New World Order was decided upon 29 years ago and then signed by scores of world leaders in front of 8,000 reporters. This is a terrible way to keep an evil plan secret. Oh, and by the way, and then nothing really happened. Why has nothing happened? Why isn't the New World Order here yet? Are they just inept? Or is it the brave actions of those few patriots who love private land and want it enshrined in law that they can do whatever they want on it that has managed to keep them at bay? Anyway, we do know the New World Order hasn't been implemented yet. But that, of course, doesn't mean that the elite overlords in waiting don't keep trying. In March 2015, the United Nations held the third UN World Conference on Disaster Risk Reduction in Japan. One strategy that resulted from this was called Building Back Better, or BBB, which looks at ways to reduce risks to populations after disasters. There are 10 points in BBB, focusing on governments supporting local communities to spearhead their own recoveries, rather than just waiting for handouts from Big Brother. Fairness and equality at all levels of recovery and preparedness, which means you don't just prepare some neighborhoods like rich ones and leave out the poorer neighborhoods. Planning and preparedness being vital to mitigating disasters, and so on. The 2020 Joe Biden presidential campaign adopted the phrase Build Back Better as one of their five slogans. So, of course, you can imagine what happened in the brains of Tea Party supporters. The Birchers claimed Biden, quote, ripped off the phrase, though I don't know if you can say that. They also note that British Prime Minister Boris Trolldahl Johnson also uses that phrase. So clearly, Biden and Johnson are puppets of the would-be New World Order. Though, of course, again, if they are, why they would say these things out loud, blowing their cover, is a mystery. They say that Build Back Better 
and the World Economic Forum's Great Reset, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, are attempts to, quote, reinvent capitalism, supported by the nefarious global elite to further their machinations. Soylent Green green is people. Depopulating the Earth is a huge part of almost any New World Order conspiracy theory. First off, apparently there are just too darn many people to effectively control. So the elites who aim to create a world government, cum religion, cum police state need to eliminate what are known as, quote, useless eaters. These are people who are just taking up space on the planet and using resources that should be being used by the rulers and their slaves. Though conspiracy people have a number of ideas as to where this term useless eaters comes from, it actually originated in Nazi Germany. The term Nutzlose Fresse referred to people who were dying of disease or physically or mentally disabled or just old and no longer productive and who were targeted by the T4 euthanasia program. So how do you kill off 80 to 90% of the world's population? Well, maybe poison gas in tunnels like the ones under the Denver airport. Maybe introducing toxins into food supplies using gene modifications. Monsanto. Maybe fluoride in the water, though it's been in there for decades and death rates haven't gone up. Maybe chemicals sprayed out of commercial jets as chemtrails. Maybe just good old-fashioned nuclear war. Or vaccines. Or the creation and introduction of new diseases like AIDS and Ebola. And of course, COVID-19. Not just the virus itself, but the vaccines currently being used worldwide. Conspiracy people say it should come as no surprise that just a few months after the Sustainable Development Goals Summit in September 2019, a new COVID-19 variant of the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus spread all over the earth incredibly rapidly. Coincidence? We think not. And note, this is not like the Black Death or anything like that. It doesn't kill everything it touches. It really only kills some of the people that you might term useless eaters. You know, the old and infirm and weak. And those too poor to pay for medical coverage. Since the COVID-19 pandemic started, there's been a resurgence in the Agenda 21-2030 conspiracy theory world. Because this is it, folks. This This is it. it. It's It's finally finally happening. happening. We've been saying this for ages, but it's finally happening. Happening. And it's not just the U.S. Conspiracy theorists in other countries are jumping on board with this stuff as well. Like there's a Facebook page called United States of Africa that claims that COVID-19 is actually a Western plot to depopulate the entire African continent. But then when it turned out that African people are much stronger than they had thought and not so many of them are dying because of the disease, then the vaccine was created and that will end up killing off most Africans. And of course, David Icke has a 2016 video called Agenda 21, The Plan to Kill You, which has been on YouTube for ages and has seen a massive spike in viewership ever since the pandemic started. One of my favorites is a meme floating around on Facebook that supposedly outlines the new revised mission goals for Agenda 2030 after that September 2019 Sustainable Development Goals Summit. Here it is in full. The new Agenda 2030 goals are... A one-world government, a one-world currency that's cashless, one-world central bank, one-world military, no sovereign states at all, all private property eliminated, the end of the family unit, depopulation, population growth control, and control of population density, meaning everybody sort of gets hived together, mandatory multiple vaccines, universal basic income, implanted microchips for purchasing, travel, tracking, and controlling, 
a world social credit system based on the one China has. China. China. Appliances everywhere hooked into a global 5G network that all monitor the populace 24-7, essentially ending privacy. Children raised by the world government. Government controlled schools at all levels. No private transportation like cars of any sort. Corporations being subsumed by government, and then the government owns all businesses. Restricted non-essential air travel. All humans resettled en masse into cities where they can be controlled and corralled more easily. No more irrigation, which I don't actually understand that one. No more grazing livestock or private farms. No more single-family homes. I also don't get that one. Restricted land use that serves human needs. I don't actually know what that means. A ban on all non-synthetic drugs and on all homeopathic medicines. And an end to all fossil fuels. To be honest, a few of those don't sound that bad to me, but, uh, you know, that's me. To some of the people who believe this stuff, apparently it all sounds pretty bad indeed. It almost sounds like they kind of feel like, look, man, society has progressed enough and there should be zero further changes to the way that we live our lives or get or use our resources. The way we do things now is the pinnacle of human achievement and you don't mess with success. And of course, some of this nonsense is being pushed by trolls who would like to destabilize the social fabric, either for personal reasons, because they think it's funny, or because maybe they have further reaching goals in mind. And sadly, it seems to be working a bit. A Pew poll in July found that 5% of Americans, 5% of Americans thought that absolutely for sure the pandemic is planned, and another 20% thought it was probably true. That's one in four taken together. Only 16% of U.S. adults said it is definitely not true. Even when they parse the data using demographics, the highest group that reported it is definitely not true is people with post-grad education. But that was still only 47%. 47%, less than half of people with post-grad education are willing to say to a pollster that the pandemic is a plandemic is absolutely not true. Governments and international organizations are naturally trying to look ahead to what the world is going to be like once COVID-19 is all done and dusted. And those plans, say the conspiracists, are more proof that this whole thing has been staged. The Great great Reset. reset. In May 2020, the World Economic Forum president, Klaus Schwab, and the UK's Prince Charles he of the great ears, announced the Great Reset. This is a proposal from the WEF to change the overall goals and mindset of international capitalism, focusing less on just shareholder value and wealth creation and a bit more on mutual progress and the environment. The idea was that this COVID-19 pandemic, as terrible as it is, kind of also presents an opportunity for us to rethink how we do things. For example, we could revalue the price of things according to not just how much they cost, but how much their carbon footprint is. This is a practice known as carbon pricing. So something from further away would cost more money than something, for example, produced locally because it has a higher footprint. And this could be a market-focused way to encourage companies to reduce carbon emissions globally. A new digital economy and public infrastructure, which they call the fourth industrial revolution, should also be implemented. These are just some of the things that they're talking about. 
talking about. They're saying this should be private sector, not governments. Private sector should be the main drivers of change. Basically, companies in a capitalist system will always strive to succeed according to whatever the definition of success is. So if we all agree to change what that definition is, what success looks like, then companies will pursue strategies to succeed under that new definition. As Prince Charles pointed out at the press conference, this will only happen if people want it and agree to it. And it's not actually that new an idea. One journalist who was a critic called it of coronavirus-themed rebranding of things that the WEF already does and have merely created a way for rich people to feel good about themselves while actually doing nothing at all. Another journalist pointed out that President Schwab has been essentially saying many of these same things since 2003. But anyway, this doesn't stop the conspiracy minded. Within three days of the announcement, a petition in Canada with 80,000 signatures made its way to the government to try and make sure that Canada never implements any of these suggestions. This is probably partly because Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has talked about it. The fear is this is the first stage in bringing about the new world order and, of course, unleashing COVID-19 on the world was the preamble to the Great Reset. Human floor mop Tucker Carlson warned Fox viewers on November 17th that they should be terrified of the Great Reset. And just a few days earlier, walking toothpaste advertisement Laura Ingram had said it would, quote, force radical social and economic change across the continents. Anti-BLM and yet nonetheless African-American Trump supporter Candace Owens said the whole purpose is to, quote, implement communist policies. And Glenn Beck said it was actually just an old Nazi idea being trotted out to be used today, which of course is nonsense. Keeping in mind that the World Economic Forum has exactly zero authority to impose anything on anyone. All they can do is suggest and advise. But as I said earlier, it seems that even the very notion of trying to get a handle on some of the very obvious flaws of a Gordon Gecko greed is good take on capitalism, which by the way is by no means the only way that capitalism can be expressed, or even bringing it up at all is somehow tantamount to evil on a scale hitherto unheard of in human history. Just scroll around on the John Birch Society's New American website and you'll see tidbits like goal 10 of Agenda 2030 is to, quote, pledge to reduce inequality within and among countries, which they say can be done only, quote, if wealth is shared and income inequality is addressed. <gasps> addressing something like income inequality, they say, is national socialism. When they use this term national socialism without capital letters, I assume that they mean communism and not Nazism. So according to the Birchers, simply addressing the fact that income inequality exists is the same as planning to take over the world. I mean, just how insecure are the rich anyway? I mean, you're rich. What more do you want? The Birchers, by the way, also claim that carbon pricing would actually be a tax on the CO2 that people exhale. I am not making that up. <laughs> yes, it is preposterous. And yet, despite their hysterical tone and lack of anything apart from speculation, they note that, quote, the global elite has a long way to go since details of the Great Reset are still being worked out in a series of, quote, virtual meetings, and they put the word virtual in quote marks for some reason, as if to say that they don't believe that they are virtual meetings. So do they think that they're telepathic meetings? 
I don't know. And neither do they, it would seem. But they keep on fear-mongering just the same. The only only thing thing to fear fear is fear fear itself. itself. Even though only 15% of Americans even know what the heck Agenda 21 is, conservatives today continue to whip up worry and anxiety over it and what it portends for the future. It's just that they just can't seem to agree on exactly what that danger is. They just know that there is some danger, some kind of danger, whatever's on my mind that week, kind of a mad libs of paranoia. For example, Senator Ted Cruz has said on several occasions that he thinks Agenda 21 aims to get rid of all golf courses as well as all paved roads, which is weirdly specific. Iowa Tea Party activist Judd Saul says, quote, Agenda 21 is an elusive enemy that floats in and chokes you gradually, which is very evocative but not really specific. He also says they want to destroy the middle class way of life. Another Tea Party guy, Joe Dugan of South Carolina, says that Agenda 21 is treason, even though it's a non-binding international document. And another Tea Party person, this one from Tennessee, says it is an attempt to force everyone to live in cities. And of course, let's not forget Glenn Beck's dark insistence that homosexuals are behind it all, and so one wonders what it is exactly he's worried about or fantasizing about. You name it, it can get lumped into the Agenda 21 conspiracy theories. Gun rights, property rights, artificially high gas prices to force people to abandon their cars, which is quite interesting since gas prices in the United States are kept artificially low. The destruction of suburbia, a Soviet-style nationalization takeover, the creation of a new false religion, and on and on and on the list goes. All of this about what amounts to a wish list signed by, among other people, U.S. President George H.W. Bush, of things the nations of the world might do that are not enforceable, and which, in the subsequent years, has been almost wholly and totally disregarded and ignored. So, if this is the New World Order attempt, I gotta say, it's a pretty lame one. But maybe that's because there are some brave individuals out there doing what they can to stave it off, and truth-tellers like Glenn Beck, like the politicians in Alabama who recently passed a resolution stating that no state laws may infringe upon property rights without due process which is great and unnecessary because there are already laws that do that, but they just wanted people to know that they agree with those laws that already exist and are used and enforced. Or the two women in Tennessee who got arrested for trying to prevent the installation of smart meters in their homes because they said they caused illness and were also surveillance devices. And various groups that either form to combat the scourge of sustainable development or fold those talking points into their pre-existing agendas. There's a fantastic 2014 article titled Agenda 21, the UN Sustainability and Right-Wing Conspiracy Theory by the Southern Poverty Law Center that is about as comprehensive a look into the anti-Agenda 21 landscape at the time as was possible. Check the show links for a link to it. And of course, the great irony here is, as was pointed out in a 2018 article on The Nation, that people who think a list of unenforceable goals to not destroy quite so much nature while continuing to house and feed our growing populations is actually a global takeover plan with evil intentions are ignoring the fact that the very globalist companies that they support are, in fact, the ones who are screwing everything up and creating a world where there will be real scarcity for the have-nots And because of their actions or inactions, there will be a lot more have-nots than there were before.
Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.